Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Always Bev, The Ripple Effect. I am your host, Barb Jordan. He asked me to meet him in the marina. Just let me see you, you know, one time. And I knew that that was dangerous. Eight out of 10 times, when a victim is sexually assaulted, they know the attacker. How scary is that? I ask it all the time in the sessions that I teach. How do you know who we should trust? You know, Larry Nasser is in the news again for his cruel behavior. And it is sometimes people that we know who we look up to, who we trust, who can offer us help. Sometimes they befriend us. Sometimes they use manipulation to get close to us. They might show us a little bit of attention or affection. And when you're not getting that in other areas of your life, hey, it's something that we might dabble in. But if we look at the situation long enough, we might be fooled for a moment. We might be fooled for a short time. But when we start saying things like, that's weird, that's creepy, I feel uncomfortable, that, my friends, is intuition. And we're going to hear a little bit about all of these things in today's story. My guest today is Kim Anton. I've known her for years. And I ask all of my listeners, write me a story, write me a story. If you've gone through something, write me a story. And Kim, first of all, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And two, you're one of the first people to actually write me an email and share your story. So thank you for that. And thank you for joining me today. You're so welcome, Barbara. I really appreciate what you're doing um, here for our daughters and for us. And I'm glad I can help. Oh, well, you and I go a long way back and, you know, there's things that you shared with me that I, I never knew about you. And I think for, for a lot of females and, and a lot of victims, um, you know, these are things that you don't always talk about, but I'm so glad that you shared something that happened when you were a, a young girl growing up. Um, and it happened when you were 13 years old, uh, to talk a little bit about how this got started. Well, I was, um, in ninth grade and my, um, I should say I was kind of a, uh, they saw me coming because, um, I was from a broken home. I lived with my dad who worked a lot. My mom wasn't in the home and I was kind of an independent kid. I was on my own. I worked and made my own money. And when my parents had gotten divorced a year before, they sent a notice to the school that said, I guess, you know, go easy on her. She's going through a hard time. And I feel like that was also like a huge, uh, here she is, you know, come and get her. Um, but there was a student teacher there. He was 10 years older than I was for um, English. He was my ninth grade English teacher. And he was at first very, very nice to me. And then um, overtly nice to me, um, almost in an embarrassing way. And then he, uh, when his semester was over, he started writing letters to me and that went on for a couple of years actually. Um, but I really feel like I was being groomed for a mm. uh, child molester. Wow. Okay. Well, let's go back. Cause obviously at the age of 13, you didn't know that you were being groomed, but of course, as right. we grow up, we, we get a little smarter and we see the warning signs. So let's go back to this. You're ninth grade, you're 13 years old and this blonde haired 
athletic teacher who rides his bike to school to teach classes shows up and he starts showing you attention. How did that make you feel? Um, well, I was a 13 year old girl from a broken home and it made me feel, you know, beautiful and, uh, that I was worth something and somebody was paying attention to me, somebody good looking and older that I respected. Um, I loved English. It was my favorite, you know, subject and we were reading good books and reading great short stories. And he was, um, just paying a lot of attention to me. I felt kind of special in my class. So, you know, I was 13. So he had something in common with you because he was an English teacher and you are an expert at the English language. (laughs) (laughs) And it was actually my first language. (laughs) And so, yeah. And so you, so he could identify with you. You basically, he had something strongly in common with you. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think. And um, looking back, I, I have the letters that he wrote me from back then. And looking back, that was definitely something that he kind of used as, you know, he wrote poetry and he kind of used that as we have all this in common, you know, we're kindred spirits kind of thing. When you were in class and doing your work, were there times when you looked up and you noticed him looking at you or kind of maybe smiling at you extra compared to the other students? I mean, it was a really long time ago. I don't even want to think about how long ago it was, but yeah, definitely. He paid a lot of attention to me. He was a good teacher. He was very young. And so he was very um, amenable. He was very kind to all the kids and he really talked to each kid and looked them in the eye and, um, you know, he was really great with kids. And so I didn't notice at first that it was directed at me. But as time went on, he would be looking at me, smiling at me. He'd put his hand on my shoulder, my back, you know, that kind of thing. Um, He gave me a lot of praise for my work, which wasn't really, I mean, I didn't put a lot of effort into my work back then. And so I thought even back then, I think I thought that was strange, but he gave me a lot of praise for my work and, you know, he just singled me out, gave me a lot of attention. Mm. Did he ever tease you and make you giggle? Um, well, yeah, he called me Kimmer and he, um, would like, God, it's so hard to remember, but you're saying it and it kind of makes me remember things, but he would call on me a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember that well, but yeah, of course. And he, you know, was very, he, he became very overt very quickly when he started writing to me. Mm. Okay. Well, prior to that, you mentioned that at one time you needed your grade changed. You had, you had a B on a piece of paper. You, you used your womanly girl power to get him to change your grade. Do you remember that? 13. I actually had a missing assignment and I convinced him that I had turned it in and he changed um, the, so he gave me a B And then I said, you gave me an A on that assignment. And he changed the assignment in the book to an A. First, he gave me the B because he believed me or didn't. But I went up to him and I said, I know I turned this in and I got an A on it. And so he changed it to B and then he changed it to an A. (laughs) So and I felt at the time, I remember thinking like, I can do this. I can get this guy to change my grade. And it I mean, it. 
it's kind of gross when I think about it, but if I felt very powerful, I felt like I could use my, you know, this guy really likes me. I'm not going to take a missing assignment. Uh, but he also used that to his advantage. He did you a favor. He yeah. extended himself and did you a favor and possibly maybe it enhanced you to let your guard down because the next thing you know, he has your address and he's sending you letters in the mail. Yeah. When school was out, he told me, you know, I really want to stay in touch with you. Can I write to you? And, you know, I was 13. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that cute boy writing to me and I can tell my friends and then I have proof and, you know, I, I have a few of the, I don't have all the letters, but I have a number of them and nothing is hi, how are you? Everything from the get-go is like really intense and, you know, there's something between us and I know you both, we both feel it and we have to wait and, um, it, yeah. And then oh, there's so a number. He, he said that you had to wait for your love affair to grow into your love, to your romantic yes. uh, love affair. Yes. And I just want to remind you that I was 13 and he was my teacher and he was 10 years older than I was. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was. So the letters were intense. He, he gave you hope that you guys were going to be together one day. Right. And, yeah. and did the letters stay the same? Did they ever increase with intensity or with the they flirtation? Did. And I can see, I don't know what I wrote to him because I don't have those letters, but I know that he, in some of them, um, one letter is kind of like, you know, you haven't written to me in a long time and I don't know what I did. And um, I hope I didn't scare you off and that kind of thing. And then there's a number of letters that say, I want to be with you. I want to see you. When can we be together? And one letter is just flat out. Can you come over this weekend and come be with me? At his house. It's also, I only have two envelopes and they're both to the high school that he worked at. He had me writing to him at his high school, Mm. not at his home. Yellow flag. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You think? (laughs) Bright red flag. Yeah. So, um, so that was interesting, but I'm not sure I, I did meet him once at our middle school. I took the bus because I wasn't old enough to drive, but I met him at our middle school when nobody was there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you walk the hallways with your teacher. Yes. All right. And did you ever get your first kiss with him? Um, yes. He kissed me that day. Mm. Okay. On the cheek or on the lips? No, it was a full on, um, (laughs) you know, from here to eternity kiss. (laughs) God, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to laugh. It's, no, it, it amazes me the lengths it's, that some of these guys go go through. Yeah, I mean, we're laughing, but reading these letters and thinking about it, I mean, you know that I, I have two daughters. And when I think about this, it just, it's very, it's very upsetting. First of all, that I was a target. I know I was a target because I didn't have people in my home looking out for me. And also that it's just, I, you know, how often is this going on? This is, it was like ducks on a pond, you know, it was so easy to get a 13 year old girl that is looking for attention, you know, to pay attention to someone who's paying attention to her. Mm-hmm. And it's just very frustrating. It's um, just very upsetting 
to think about it. Yeah, Go absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, as you, you know, you entered into your, your teenage years, you were 13 when this first started, but as you got a little bit older, you started to get into boys your own age. Is that right? Yeah. I started um, going out with a boy at school that I really liked. And then I was also interested in another boy and it started to seem super weird that my teacher was still writing to me. And what would you do with those letters? Do you remember if you responded or? To some of them I did. And then when I stopped responding, I got a letter saying, what's going on? You know, why aren't you responding? And I can't remember if he was calling me also. Do you, looking back, do you find that when he would get mad, like if you didn't respond, do you feel like he guilted you, manipulated you? How would you describe that? Um, I think it was more guilt. Like, you know, I'm just somebody who wants to be with you every waking minute. I'm just somebody who wants to, you know, who rushes to the mailbox every day to see if you've written to me. Um, I don't want anything from you. I'm not going to, you know, push you into anything you don't want to do. So I'd say it was definitely a guilt thing. Mm. And then one day you, was it in a letter that you received instructions to, or a request to meet him again? No, that was on the phone. And he asked me to meet him um, on a boat in the marina. Okay. How far away was that? So you grew up in the San Fernando Valley. Mm -hmm. So how far for for the people that are, you know, listening in America, 40, 40 minutes. And by that time I was driving. So I could have driven out to meet him if, if I'd wanted to, I didn't go. That was, I, that was, um, things had gotten, it had started to seem weird to me. Um, that he just kept on, kept, kept on, kept on. And I even, I think I wrote him a letter once that said, you know, there's all these boys that I'm interested in and I'm going to be going to a prom and I'm going to be going to dances. And, you know, I just don't think that I can show up with a, you know, 26 year old man at these things. And I think, you know, you need to, I, I need to date boys my own age. And Mm. so I got letters saying, you know, I'm not trying to push you into anything. Of of course, you're going to live your life. I don't want to think about it. And then he asked me to meet him in the marina. Just let me see you, you know, one time. And I knew that that was dangerous to do. Mm. So I, I told him that I would, and he gave me a number of someone to call if I wasn't going to show up. And I knew always that I would call that number. And I did. And then, um, that was the last time we spoke, he called me and just went off. So he wanted you to meet him at the Marina in like the nighttime. Uh, I think it was like the middle of the afternoon Okay, on a boat. Yes. So in an, on an isolated, in an isolated area, just you and him on a boat, right? Your warning signs, even at that young age, you were like, this is dangerous. Yes. And so he gave you a number so you could contact somebody and you called that number and you said, I'm not coming. Right. I said, please tell him I'm not going to show. And then and how, he, what was his reaction? He called me that night and he was um, just very angry. And he said, you know, what if I, what if I didn't get that message? You know, I would still be waiting for you. And um you know, you told me you'd come and he just went off. And I remember being really quiet because I didn't know how to respond to him. I didn't know. I just wanted to get off the phone so bad. And, um, 
maybe then he realized, maybe that's what made him realize that I was not going to be interested in him. And, you know, that was that. And that was the last time I spoke to him. You saved your own life. Your intuition kicked in. I saved something. I mean, I don't know how dangerous he was, but you know, I, I did know I didn't, he never seemed dangerous to me at the time, but he did seem inappropriate. And I know Mm. sometime between turning 16, you know, 15 and 16, it kind of dawned on me that this was not normal. This wasn't okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, whatever happened to this guy? You know, I don't know. I know he's an author. Um, I've seen that he's written some books and, um, I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if he, I don't know. I went to a therapist once shocking. I know <laughs> to a therapist, <laughs> and she said to me, um, he was just getting started. He was mm. 23 and he was just getting started. Yeah. And you so I don't me- know. I'm sorry to cut you off there. Uh, You told me his name once and I I joked with you and I said, oh, he probably went on to write Disney books. And we laughed. And then I Googled his name (laughs) and he went on to write Disney books. And I was like, unbelievable. And it just goes to show that we, you know, think about all the different kids that he has been around his entire life and the coworkers that he has fooled his entire life that he was, you know, a child predator. Well, he was a teacher for a long time. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know that he was a teacher, um, a high school teacher for a long time. So I don't know what happened to him. I don't know what happened to those other two girls that were around him. I don't know if there was anyone that was as gullible as I was, you know, at that time. You have the letters. I can see them on your desk. You saved some of these letters. Why would you save those letters? What made you save those and not just throw them away like this is ugly? You know, I have um, every love letter that was ever written to me (laughs) in a drawer. And I just found them because I was cleaning out this old dresser to put in my daughter's room. Um, So I didn't just save these letters. I saved letters from boys all through college. And, you know, I'm kind of a letter hoarder. (laughs) So, but that's why. And then also, I mean, after a while, I thought, I don't know that this will ever come up. You know, if I ever heard that he was hurting somebody, Mm. I would have these. I like that. Let's hold on to them. There's our evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's your advice to, to moms out there that have daughters and maybe they've been through something. I know you mentioned you have you have some daughters and you've shared it so far with your oldest daughter. If if there's a mom out there that has been through something traumatic like this, scary, whether they were a victim or if they they saved themselves like you did, mm-hmm. what would be your advice? How important is it to share their story? I think it's really hard to share stuff like this with our kids because you don't want to scare them. Um, but you want them to have a healthy sense of fear and trusting their instincts. Um, it's hard to do, but I think it's important as they become more age appropriate. I mean, my little one's going to be, she just turned 12. So she's almost the age I was when this started happening. And, um, she's, you know, the, she's got the sweetest personality just, you know, would 
bend over backwards for her friends. And um, my older daughter, I don't worry about so much. She knows her way about around a softball bat and she's very strong and very aware. But, um, I, you know, I just would say to my daughters, be aware and trust your intuition. And if somebody's paying attention to you that you don't want to pay attention to you, say something to me, say something to dad, say something to a teacher. Um, I would also say for parents who are single and working hard and not able to, to give the amount of attention to their kids that they would like to give, to just check in, who are you talking to? What are you doing? You know, pay attention, pay attention to the mail, pay attention to their email, those kinds of things. I, I would have benefited tremendously from just somebody checking in, just somebody saying this, you know, that's a little strange, you know, some adult who maybe one of the parents of my friends that I was talking to, or who said, you would say, you know, that's a little odd, you know, that's Mm -hmm. not normal. Yeah. So I would say, just try to pay attention to at least a little bit what's coming in, what's going out of your house. Yeah. Awesome. Good advice, Kim. Good advice. Listen, I know it's been a lot of years, but I I really do appreciate you taking the time and sharing this, this important story. Hopefully it's a little cathartic for you and, and it, and it, and it helps you a little bit, but I know for our listeners, you know, predators come in all, all different shapes and sizes and in all different, some of them are, are unemployed. And obviously some of them are employed. They can be anybody. And I think that understanding, you know, what to watch for, but again, we always talk about on this podcast, trusting the intuition. And, and you did that even as a young girl, you realized at one point, I always say when, when we say the word weird, that's our intuition. It's like, that's weird. And, you know, other people like to dismiss it, but you're like, no, that's weird. That's kind of like the sixth sense. So, you know, I'm proud of you for that, for maybe you didn't know it when you were 13, but you figured it out and you kept your, yourself safe. Yeah. All right. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, just thank you again for doing all this. And I listened to your podcast and trying to get my girls into a workshop of yours. And I just think it's so incredibly Mm. valuable and I appreciate you and appreciate what you're doing so much. Uh, Thank you, Kim. And thank you for being part of always Bev, the ripple effect. Kim did at a young age, what a lot of adults can't do. And that is she removed somebody from her life that she didn't trust, that she didn't have a good feeling about. And I, I, I admire her for what she did because she did it all on her own. She obviously didn't confide in friends. She didn't have the total parent supervision or support that she may have needed. She was on her own and she made the decision to remove this individual from her life. It saved her, in my opinion, from being sexually assaulted, and possibly worse, possibly suffering some bodily harm. So uh, it's another success story because every day when we're out there, we make decisions that can determine our safety. Some of them have to do with something so simple. Should I go here at this time of day? But a lot of times the decision comes down to who are we letting into our inner circles? And I'm here to remind you, keep your inner circles tight. In our next episode, we have Moose Moore rejoining us, and Moose Moore is going to be discussing the warning signs of terrorists, active shooters, 
and everyday predators. I'm your host, Barb Jordan. Thanks for joining me in another episode of Always Bev, The Ripple Effect. Mm-hmm.